Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hi, everyone. Shauna Van Dyke here, joined with my husband, Michael. Hello, hello, hello. And we are in the beautiful state of Oregon, in Salem, actually, at the Made to Minister Regional Conference. We're so excited to be here and off to a good start. But we had to take this opportunity to do a recording. So thankfully, Michael lugged all the podcast equipment on the plane. That was fun, right? With a two-hour delay in Dallas. Yeah, and we're set up. And we're joined today in the studio by the founders of Made to Minister, Carl Chica. Hola. And his beautiful wife, Laura. So happy to be here. Yes, we're happy to have you too. We're actually, we're here with you, but then you're here with the podcast. But Laura wrote, is actually the author of the book, Journey, A Path to Biblical Change. And we will have a podcast um, uh, specifically discussing that and how you can use that in counseling. But for today's episode, as we have read articles about what's going on in the state of Oregon, Michael and I just in the whole Texas Bible Belt, Uh, just didn't really realize a lot of the things that you guys are dealing with here in the crisis. And we felt that as Speak the Truth is being listened to all over the United States and even um, overseas, that some of these issues that we don't normally address here in Texas would would be relevant to what's going on to them. And so we wanted to offer some helpful insight. But here's just a little highlight from the articles that I was reading. It says, the mental health issues and child uh, suicide rates leads Oregon to rank as the worst state in the country for mental illness. And the state's lack of child psychiatrists and school counselors leave families waiting for months to get help. And so going on out there to where, like, when you read the article, it's not even just talking about the crisis that it's in, but even, like, the the hospitals not really even being able to care for them, This this what was what's actually being put on the schools because the kids are in the schools and what the counselors are doing there and the wait, not even not only able to get the sufficient care that they need, but to help them right away is a huge crisis. And so what you guys are doing in the church and even in your Made to Minister organization is obviously a huge need in Oregon, but also the states out there. So could y'all just kind of tell us a little bit about your heart and kind of where, how this kind of all came about of you seeing the urgency, what's going on in Oregon and how you wanted to help? Well, we have uh, had a passion for ministering to people with the word of God in discipleship from the pulpit and also uh, in counseling. But as this crisis has continued to increase, we uh, know that people have a difficult time at times even coming to the conclusion that they need help. But when they come to that conclusion, we are often met with now not being able to refer them to that help or they have to wait a long time to get that help. So the first obstacle of, of saying, my son, my child, uh, or my husband, or I need help, they, they get there, but now that help is now several weeks out or beyond their reach financially. And so we as a ministry um, believe that that was part of our, our, our calling was to, in the process of making disciples, reach out to the community and begin to minister to their needs as they wait for mental health help or to help them in areas that we do really believe that the gospel can address. Yeah. And I think when, when we say mental health, that can kind of be this large umbrella. So what do you think you're seeing the most of in the crisis or the need of, of mm-hmm. Oregon, the state of Oregon? Um, we are seeing a high uh, frequency of depression, um, and we also are seeing uh, suicidality. So mm-hmm. in rates that are oftentimes per hundred thousands of people, four people above the national average per 100,000 people. And then when you look at specific areas such as 
um, children in middle school and high school, that rate even goes up higher. And um, then we also seeing a, a shortage of those people that are trained to um, minister or actually help them with those crises. And so nationally, we see that the norm is something around um, 1,800 kids per mental health professional. Here in Oregon, it's 10,000 youth per mental health professional. Wow. Wow. So what about you, Laura? What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, God bless us with the opportunity to be able to walk through a mental health crisis with one of our children. Um, and so we know personally how difficult it is in the moment to um, not just access help, which was challenging, uh, but also how to respond. Um, and and in our situation, we were really blessed to be ministered to by, by people who didn't actually have a good understanding of the mental health crisis that we were walking through, but knew how to minister well to us. And so some of our personal experience really opened our eyes to to seeing the greater need and being able to speak more wisely into those types of circumstances. So we began to recognize that there were a variety of different people who were struggling um, in that continuum of that mental health, whether that would be mild uh, anxiety or depression all the way to more severe schizophrenia, uh, bipolar, and some of those um, some of those more um, heavy mental health crisis situations. And, and so our philosophy really became not that we had to be the experts on it, but we needed to know enough about how to minister well to those folks who we knew were within the church. And um, we needed and believed that if God brought them, then we would be able to minister well to them. And um, from going through our own experience, we knew that that would require some knowledge or, or experience, not just experience, but a growing knowledge of what mental health looked like and how to access resources, but also how to minister well to people wherever they were in that process. So whether that was getting the, to the help, receiving the help, or the aftercare, where could we walk well with people in all of those stages? And so when you did that, you started in your church and then only helped the people that were in your church and then opened it up to the community? Or mm-hmm. how did that work? Exactly. Is that kind of where you started? It. And then mm-hmm. it almost became like, wow, there's, there's, we need, mm-hmm. we need more people to help. From, from our church, then to other congregations that were by word of mouth and then eventually uh, presenting that we do have some individuals that are equipped to help and beginning to get more and more referrals to the point where even within a secular community, because resources are so in demand, that there are families and individuals that will come to a church for help when they're in a time of crisis. And us being able to even work with a secular couple or family that are working through difficulties. Well, you know, I think that obviously there's a little bit of where like say in say in Texas because that's really where we live and we have the perspective there where there's you know a lot of a lot of medical help to where you know the church isn't the first resort to where here it's almost like the like that that's the out of desperation even if I don't believe in God 
maybe the church can help. And how awesome is it for the church to be viewed in that way? And then even if that is the way that they come, praying that the Lord obviously uses, you know, you as tools to, to be able to share the gospel and, and give them the true hope that a hospital couldn't give. Um, but it actually says, you know, the, the ratios that you even mentioned earlier, it's, it's the worst ratio, one of the worst ratios in the country. Yeah. In 2017, they identified that based on, um, the providers available, the types of diagnoses and issues, and then the severity of like suicides. So from 2016 to 2017, there was like a 53% increase in school age kids, nine to 24 from one year to the other. That, that's that's startling. And so then on the list of all of the states, we replace 51st. Uh, and so, you know, 50 states, including the District of Columbia, and we're the worst one in the nation. Wow. Well, you know, that just immediately makes me overwhelmed for you. I can't imagine how y'all feel. I mean, how did y'all not get so overwhelmed by the need that to an extent, sometimes when I get that overwhelmed, I shut down almost like who am I and what could I do? This is way too much, especially when you're talking about suicide here and schizophrenia. Like this is stuff that is uh, you feel kind of unhinged, like you don't really know what way it could go. There's a lot of uncertainties. Obviously, you guys have to be strong in where you are with the Lord. But tell me some of those fears and the things that you're overwhelmed with that you had to work through to do that. Well, there's no doubt that it's challenging. Um, and we want to be really respectful of that. Um, but, but I think the encouraging piece is that we see that Jesus and the Bible are still effective answers, even in mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over again, we see that the, the, the truth of God's word, the community of believers make a huge difference in folks who are experiencing uh, any degree of, of mental health challenge. And that's, that's the piece that I think keeps us coming back and feeling confident again, not, not because of what we bring to the table, because, you know, we don't have all the professional training. Um, we want to be knowledgeable on how to access it and help people get that direction because we believe that they need that help. But ultimately it's, it's Christ. It really, he really is enough and he really is the difference. It is true hope, even for those who are, who are experiencing some type of mental instability. And so that, that grounds us and is foundational in helping us to continue to, to move forward. Um, when we're talking about mental illness you know, we kind of get into the, the therapeutic reality of that professionalism and everything like that, but What's the extent of that professionalism? Is it really helping? And this isn't a dig on the profession by any stretch because it is very difficult work. But at the end of the day, it's a man-centered approach to something that man can't solve, right? And so for us to bring the gospel, and we kind of alluded to this in the last podcast, but more specifically now in this podcast, is we bring the gospel in tandem with, okay, whatever care that we can give, maybe the professional pieces may be able to acutely identify something and work in that framework for, for a time. But in tandem with that, we're still bringing the gospel. We're providing and presenting a true biblical hope that is not just sustaining, but transforming. So it's a good thing. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that the church uniquely has to offer is the body. It's, it's the community 
most mental health is isolating. Mm-hmm. When, when, when someone's going through a mental health crisis or a loved one is going through a mental health crisis, it tends to uh, draw them out of community for obvious reasons. But the church is unique in that if we can, we can help people understand that they don't need to be afraid of a mental health crisis, that mental health is not outside of the realm of, of Christ and his biblical hope, and that Jesus does make a difference, then that encourages the community to come alongside in those really tangible ways, showing up uh, to an appointment, uh, showing up at the house, being able to say, let's just meet for coffee and just do a, you know, a, a touch base. How are you doing on medication? Those are just some of the community pieces that the church offers that is unique. To the church. To the church. Yeah. And, 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 I, and, and it's a beautiful picture of the church being able to really be that tangible hands and feet of Christ in, in some really extreme ways. And I would, I, would, I would also add to that, too. It's what's interesting, theologically speaking, is you know, God saying before the fall that it's not good for man to be alone. That When you're dealing with mental illness— that's, I mean, that's the largest common denominator is loneliness and feeling isolated and lonely because I'm crazy. Nobody can help me. I have no hope. And it, all, of, all of those pieces just continue to compound one another. And so to bring that community piece to it on such a level that the state can't offer at the end of the day. And again, I'm not, I'm not hitting the state or anything. I'm not trying to speak this church against you know, church against the state type stuff is just the reality. And that's obviously with the, with the state coming in and realizing like, man, y'all bring something to the table. Sorry, I just dropped the y'all. <laughs> now you guys, but y'all bring something to the table that we can offer. Like maybe we could partner, you know, and, and obviously the people that are coming to you, it's, it's, it's accomplishing something. So let's try to get behind that and see what we can accomplish together. So, well, and one of the things is I heard you talk, Michael, and, and a lot that you were just saying, Laura, is it's not just the person who's say going through the mental illness, but the family unit. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure one of the things that's really huge about how you're caring for the, like the situation is also counseling the family, how to walk through this, how mm-hmm. to support them through it. What they, they are obviously impacted by this as well. And so kind of share a little bit about that. Like, how do you, how do you get the church around the family in that? If we look at um, the statistic I had mentioned earlier, that in that 9 to 24-year-old bracket of people, they're connected to parents, grandparents, brothers and sisters. And if they're experiencing these mental health crises, they're attached to those family members. Those individuals are part of some type of community. Mm-hmm. They're all hurting as that individual is now experiencing this Mm -hmm. and the individual may be getting care, but who is to come alongside those parents to help him to now understand the issues that their kids are being presented with, how to access help, how to encourage them, how to also have individuals that are in the body of Christ that can say, let me share with you how I went through a similar trial or circumstance in the past. And let me come alongside you and minister to you. And that's why we called it Made to Minister, that each individual, even with brokenness in our past, even with our own tragic experiences, can then be further equipped to know how to come alongside someone and say, let me help you. Because in the same way that the sufferings of Paul, he's describing, we were suffering and we were comforted. Why? So that we may be able to offer comfort to those that are also in need. 
And so he's coming from a place of, this is the type of suffering I've experienced. You've ministered to us. And then now you go minister. Mm -hmm. And so who is better equipped than someone who has walked that and then been ministered by the gospel to then share that with someone else? And I think that's the, that's the reality of that communal piece because when somebody goes and ministers to somebody else, really what they're ministering is my pain and suffering actually is producing transformation, which is what the gospel does. Yes. You know, so it's, there's nothing that man can bring to the table that offers that. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just, it's, I mean, it is just an absolute work of God. Well, then, you know, as high as these statistics are, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of cases where suicide actually happens. And then you have the aftermath of that. And how do we care for the family and what that looks like? And knowing that scripture and God is the only one to really bring that comfort and that healing. Um, you know, do y'all, do y'all see a lot of that as well and in how you're counseling the units for that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Just even in our last school year, um, 2018 to 2019 in our small area of South Salem, uh, which includes uh, two public high schools and one Christian high school, we had four suicides, and we also had one um, adult commit suicide, so five within our small community. And indirectly, all of those people touched somebody, Mm -hmm. directly or indirectly, in a local church. Yeah. And they all had some type of a memorial service. Mm -hmm. And so many of our people from our congregation were able to go into those settings and minister to others, bringing meals, bringing encouragement, supporting them in their time of need. Um, And then also then referring them to us to be able to say, now the crisis has passed in this, in this window that was so tragic, but now we as the body of Christ can come alongside you and help you in your time of grief. And that there really is an answer. There is hope that is found in Christ. One of the, one of the issues that I think we've had to tackle in being able to minister to, to those struggling with mental health issues is of maybe a more traditional view of, um, or stigma that mental health has within the church. Um, an over spiritualization of, if you're struggling with anxiety or depression, then you're not trusting God enough. You're not reading your Bible enough. Maybe you're not going to church regularly. Go do behaviors, and then you won't struggle. Really helping to educate our folks to understand that we are a soul that's physical and physically embodied, and that our body, like it can, like it's susceptible to cancer, is also susceptible to the brokenness of our emotions and our mind. Um, and there is a physiological aspect that people can struggle with for a variety of different reasons. And we, if we're going to minister to people, will have to be able to identify people in that holistic approach in that they are not just spiritual, but they can suffer with a physiological reality, which could be anxiety or depression or another mental health condition. And we will not minister well if we only see them is needing spiritual input. Now, it all we always need that. So we're always addressing the spiritual, we're always bringing the word of God and, and pointing them back to who God is. But we have to also keep in mind that there's a physiological reality where someone could be spiritually growing uh, and, and, and vibrant in their faith, but struggle with a mental health 
issue that's a physiological reality, and we need to know how to be able to ask wise questions to to assess where they are at and what would best meet their need. And the church has traditionally had a really negative um, way of handling that and encouraging people um, to to do more spiritually to make depression or anxiety go away. And I think we have to be able to look at it both. Yeah, and I, was, I would just say, Lord, because that, that's, that's so spot on. And, and that's the beautiful thing about Scripture is, and that's you're right, that's where the church traditionally or historically has, has really kind of dropped the ball, where it's kind of this either-or mentality. No, it's doctrine, which is the inward belief, but there's the outward expression. Well, the body's outward expression is I need to be with people that are struggling and, and I, I, I say this, uh, I don't think it's conjecture. I think it's unfortunately true is the reason why we, the church hasn't by and large over the several decades, the reason why we haven't done well with that is because it requires time that people don't want to give. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It requires just like discipleship. I mean, these are, these are aspects to and the I'm body. I'm not going to lie. It's scary too. No, it, it really no, is. It is. It, it, it is. can be very overwhelming and intimidating. It, it is, but. What's interesting is, you know, I mean, when Jeremy was mentioning his plenary session, he was kind of alluding to, to Luther and, and just the, you know, our, our forefathers. But those men before the Enlightenment, I mean, it was the church, like the that was the church's deal. I mean, they dealt with it. I mean, and it was hard stuff. I mean, a lot of them have this extra biblical writings that they do outside of this deep theological stuff that they're dropping. But a lot of them wrote to a lot of this practical care that they did for people. Uh, and how difficult it was. I mean, Luther had tons of stuff on stuff that he wrote on with people that just like stuff that was really going on uh, with the extent of care and people. And that used to be the church's deal. But then the way we do church today, it's just like, no. And I think that's why modern psychology has done well in terms of the response that it's, it's it was given. It was given total control and care because the church just gave it up. Uh, so unfortunately, that is a bit of an indictment on the church. I think, yes. you know, that's where we need to get better as a church, and that's why biblical counseling is so crucial to the local church mm-hmm. because it brings back that vibrant part of holistic care, like you're mentioning, that we desperately need in the churches. You got to spend time with people. You can't throw verses at people and expect them mm-hmm. to go do that. Yeah. And and as you are describing that, and as we've touched on, oftentimes that. Um, polarization of the secular and the spiritual okay um i was doing some more readings important to be you know um understanding what the yeah yeah, what the trends are right now and just this week was reading about the millennial generation the millennial generation has been labeled the therapy generation so unlike previous generations the millennial generation is open to that they have emotional struggles and will go to counseling However, that same generation, the article that I was reading, are saying that 51% of them have um, a recollection of um, that they have either lost a job or were affected in their employment because of a mental health condition. So they're saying, I've struggled somehow emotionally and that it's affected my job. Either I've been fired or I've had to quit. And so although they are still the generation or they are the generation that most accesses counseling, the numbers of how they're struggling in life are actually getting worse. Yeah. And you'd have to ask yourself now, how do we interpret that information in light of the word of God now? And how I view that is what's absent is they may be getting help, but they are not getting help 
from a biblical perspective, they're not getting help at the core of what their real need is. And their need is in their brokenness, they need new life. They need eternal life. Mm -hmm. And so we're perfectly positioned as the body of Christ to say, and yes, you need help. Let's help you. But let's, in addition to the many things that you might be getting help for, let us bring to you now what is really going to transform you from the inside out. Yeah, if you're thirsty, I'm not going to bring major. you a Pepsi. I'm going to bring you water. That's right. Because that actually brings your <laughs> or body. Or Oregon kombucha. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, um, madetominister.org is a website that you can go and visit out there. And one of the things I really admire about you two is how you, your influencers, you have, uh, you know, built a ministry around you. Uh, one of the things I remember when I came up here in August and I went back, I, I was talking to my, I was talking to Michael and I was like, you know, we're, we're building out, we're multiplying out, but man, the, this crew is building around them and then going out too, which is very admi admirable. And I love um, what you're doing with Made to Minister and, and your heart to equip others, not just, hey, this is the need. We've got to do something. And boy, are you guys growing and have strong people like em and Emily around you. Um, but let's just let's just say right now you got a mic and there's some Oregon people listening because we're specific about what's going on in the crisis in Oregon. What would you say to them, whether they're a pastor, they're a leader, uh, they're a therapist out there? What what would you how would you want to encourage them? I'd want to encourage them to join us in partnership to minister as believers within a secular culture and to help us and for us to be available to help them to be further equipped. And so that's one of the reasons why we're also a training center for the Association for Biblical Counseling. Mm -hmm. And we offer our equipped counsel study of eight months, mm -hmm. which is able to present to professionals as well as people in ministry and people that are lay ministers in churches to be further equipped with the word of God to minister to the needs of the people within the body of Christ and the community outside. And so... Anyone that's interested in that, we want to partner with them. That's awesome. Laura, anything you want to say? Unfortunately, I think sometimes we don't enter into the messiness, whether that's mental health or, or, or biblical counseling just in general, because at the end of the day, we don't believe Jesus really makes a difference. Mm. And what we're saying is we know, not because um, Scripture says, but because when you bring Jesus to the table, he makes all the difference in any circumstance, including those mental health situations, which can be really challenging. Jesus really is enough. Um, and so we really encourage um, you to really think through what do I ultimately really believe about Christ, his word, and then am I willing and do I really, if I really believe that, then am I willing to take that into the, some of those broken places? That's awesome. Well, Hashtag I, bring Jesus to the table. Yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> well, thank you all for what you're doing. Not not only um, being a training center for the Association of Biblical Counselors, obviously we love um, everything that you're doing there, but just made to minister and just what you're doing for the state of Oregon. And I can't imagine how many hard days y'all have had uh, when y'all get home and how y'all find rest. I don't even know, but thank y'all for what you're doing. <laughs>